Welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast where you will find insight analysis and the story behind the numbers. Hello everyone welcome to the State of the Economy podcast. Uh, I'm your host Ayushi Kar and today we are going to be unpacking the digital regulatory landscape that is sort of evolving uh in the telecom and ott space in india with us we have an esteemed guest mr entala chandrashekar he is the former president of nascom and the former secretary to the indian department of information technology as well as a former secretary to the department of telecommunications uh mr chandrashekar sir is a, a former ias officer and he has had a distinguished career in uh in the government in a variety and and so and has served in variety of capacities in the technology space um so sir we're very honored to have you welcome to the podcast thank you ayush uh, so so basically uh we're going to uh we're at a we're at crossroads as far as regulations are concerned and we have a lot of uh things that the tri and the dot has to decide on in relation to the uh, to the industry of communications so that that goes from net neutrality to satellite communications to even the implications of pdp bill on the telecom and the technology industry i would love to get your opinion around the debate around net neutrality which has been obviously ongoing for nearly a decade uh but recently telcos have repeated their demands for network fee for ott players especially as streaming services are becoming more proliferous in the ecosystem do you think that in the current paradigm with the way 5g is shaping and the difficulty that telecom operators have in monetization of 5g there is a need for a network fee for telecom operators to survive or do you think they have not been very agile in sort of contemplating monetization models it's a very interesting question and uh, sometimes even the nexus between these two that is between uh, net neutrality on the one hand and ott uh, players being charged a network fee by the telcos uh, the relationship between these two is also often not very clearly recognized but i think this is a particularly important issue and uh, the debate on net neutrality uh, was at a crescendo some time ago and then it uh, faded and now again uh, in the context of uh, perhaps the uh, new telecom uh, bill and uh, several other things that has resurfaced uh, now why this uh, first of all why this is uh, important is that uh, you know the telcos argument has been that they make a lot of investment in the infrastructure which is true that there is a fairly long gestation period to recover that money which is also true and that continuous uh, changes in technology 4g 5g 6g and so on recall for fresh and continuous investment which is also true and that they operate under a fairly tight uh, regulatory environment and pay heavy license fee and spectrum charges and so on to the government and from their perspective you know the ott players are coming in with uh, uh, no contribution uh, financially to the underlying infrastructure and are able to generate a whole lot of revenues from either from their subscribers or more often from uh, advertisements etc so i think that's why this asymmetry uh, as seen by the telecom players uh, leads to this uh, demand 
However, I think uh, this has to be looked at from uh, certain different angles. First of all, you know, the uh, the telecom uh, operators are, uh, you know, actually performing a different function from the OTT players. In a sense, one is the carrier and the other is the content. Carriage and content are essentially what they both represent. Uh, and therefore, uh, you know, uh, the fact is that uh, the carriage providers, which is the telcos, they have the flexibility to decide on the fee that they will charge for the carriage. Now, their demand to be able to charge a fee to the OTT players means that they can charge differentially to different OTT players. And the obvious implication is that if some OTT players are uh, either not paying or don't come on the paying category or they are paying a little less, they can be disadvantaged in terms of carriage by either slowing them down or reducing the performance uh, there. Whereas those which are, uh, you know, paying a large fee can be speeded up and can be made more easily uh, and more reliably available to a subscriber. All of this means that instead of subscribers deciding which kind of OTT content they want to use, which one they prefer, and which one brings them more value, the telco will have a role in uh, tilting this uh, balance. Whereas the principle of net neutrality is that the user has to decide and the user should have access to um, all uh, content on an equal basis so that uh, these decisions are taken by the subscribers themselves. So this ability or this demand to be a, charge a network fee actually uh, carries with it the implication that they can alter this balance and that in turn uh, affects the net neutrality and users will therefore in some indirect way get a more filtered view than what would be available in a uh, uh, neutral uh, uh, environment. Now, coming to the question of what is the economic compulsion, forget about, uh, you know, this uh, neutrality part and the principle involved there. But if you come to the financials, it's a fact that uh, telecom operators have been under pressure. Uh, in fact, uh, in the not so distant past, uh, some of them shuttered down, they incurred deep losses and so on. And... Uh, in a time of hyper competition, which existed between 2008 and 2012, uh, in fact, they were forced to drop their rates to one third of what was prevailing before that. And uh, that uh, led to actually uh, many of them shuttering down because some of the competitors at that time were only interested in getting subscribers and they were only interested in valuations. Uh, and uh, not in revenues or profitability. So the conditions were such and the telcos had to drop their charges. But later conditions changed. After the Supreme Court order in 2012, a lot of telcos went out of the game. Then later there was consolidation and the number of players dropped and they were able to raise their rates significantly. And this came on the back of a tremendous increase in the consumption, uh, the traffic which was uh, getting generated because India is uh, the largest uh, uh, and certainly one of the largest in the world in terms of the per capita consumption of uh, data. So when these conditions changed, I think they have been able to uh, change the rates. 
And now I, uh, I, I think we can all uh, see that uh, the telcos are uh, profitable and their business is profitable. But notwithstanding that, I think the fact that OTTs are able to uh, skim a lot of revenues without contributing to the uh, capital investment in the telecom infrastructure is still something that you know uh, rankles uh, for some of the service, telecom service providers. To summarize, I don't believe that uh, whatever problems may exist because of the uh, market conditions or the uh, evolution of te telecom technology, that this is going to be an elegant solution of allowing the telcos to charge OTT players a network fee over and above whatever subscription fee they charge from users, because that has other unintended consequences, which I think are not at all desirable. And the last point I'll make is that it also has an adverse effect on innovation because established players would then, uh, you know, build relationships with the telcos and a new entrant, even if it is an innovative or OTT player, uh, would find that it is very difficult to penetrate uh, all of this and get access and would have to spend a lot of money just on uh, ensuring that access uh, to their services uh, becomes easy and that obviously has an adverse effect on innovation so from every angle i believe that uh, uh, this is not a good idea so so with the net neutrality debate i think people are looking at it from two sides one is obviously a free for all internet which is what ott press want which is what the startups uh, kind of the save the whatever the remnant of the save the internet movement kind of wrote to tra about of like the fundamental uh, the fundamental sort of hindrance that a discussion around this these network fee or even a limited application of the network fee that is asked by telcos could have on innovation as you pointed out and obviously you have telcos sort of charging a particular network fee or desiring to charge a particular network fee but they are also sort of including those caveats around that we only want to do it for big ott players and we want to create a threshold and we do not necessarily want to target startups, et cetera, or burgeoning sort of enterprises in the internet space. Those are the kind of two sides to this debate. But do you think that given that there is an economic argument for telcos to get better monetization from the enterprise side, do you think that there's an elegant solution where a regulator can likely step in to regulate these OTT players? I think, I mean, the government has been... Uh, flirting with the idea of regulating particularly communication OTTs um, for at least since the inception of the, uh, uh, when the thinking around the telecom bill sort of started and this debate has been ongoing for a year. Uh, do you think that that could be an elegant sort of third way uh, to potentially get operators some relief financially? Well, I, um, I I think that, uh, you know, uh, one has to think very carefully about uh, injecting regulation into a space because regulation is not always the panacea, which it might appear to be because it comes with a lot of other uh, uh, baggage. Uh, and it's also uh, not entirely correct to say that uh, the internet is completely uh, unregulated and that there is, uh, you know, um, it's a free for all because there, there are uh, certain uh, regulations uh, which apply under the, uh, notably under the IT Act and the 
Digital India Act, which is in the pipeline or in the works. So, so there are uh, uh, certain guardrails over there also. And some of this is uh, through self-regulation. For example, a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the platforms have uh, fairly robust technology technologies aimed at preventing uh, child pornography from uh, appearing on their platform. Uh, similarly, in the regulation, there is uh, there are various provisions uh, which uh, you know uh, cast an onus on people who are putting in highly objectionable content and which cause uh, damage. So there are uh, those kind of regulations, but they are, uh, you know, very different from the kind of regulations which telecom operators uh, operate. Because telecom operators operate uh, by and large within the uh, territorial space of India, including uh, even the, uh, you know, the wireless uh, communication. Uh, the only exception perhaps may be satellite, but even there, there are uh, uh, various uh, choke points uh, which give uh, the government a degree of control. However, when it comes to uh, content, it's a truly globalized uh, environment. And there, uh, it's not only uh, the question of how you control it, but also how you enforce it. And as far as the uh, uh, telcos uh, asking for parity between communication service providers, think WhatsApp, think uh, Zoom, think uh, uh, you know TikToks and the variety. So all of these... I think uh, are seen in a sense as uh, you know uh, competitors, but actually they are not. As I said, you know the telecom players are in the are in the business of transporting bits and bytes from one point to another, whereas the OTT players, including the so-called uh, communication providers among the OTT players, the ones who I mentioned, they are in the business of converting those bits and bytes into meaningful content and meaningful services for the subscribers. So they are uh, in complementary spaces, not in identical uh, spaces. And I think that, uh, you know, the moment you bring in uh, licensing, then that has a lot of other implications in terms of how quickly the technology can adapt, how quickly the business models can adapt, and uh, how you will balance between domestic players and global players, because global players are not going to be subject to uh, the same kind of uh, controls. So I think that these are uh, some of the issues which need to be considered carefully. The whole digital space in India is, uh, you know, at the nascent uh, stage in terms of regulation. We've just had the first one, the first major regulation, the DPDP Act uh, being passed. The Telecom uh, Act uh, or uh, Telecom Bill rather is still in the pipeline. The DIA is still in the pipeline. The competition, uh, uh, you know, regulation in, as far as the digital space is concerned, there's a debate going on around it. The e-commerce e policy is uh, awaited. So there are a whole lot of regulatory stuff, which is still not very clear. And uh, therefore, I think these principles will have to be kept in mind. And I don't think that uh, just because a certain part of this ecosystem, the digital ecosystem, is perhaps uh, uh, you know financially uh, less rewarding is enough of a reason to introduce uh, you know artificial changes in the way that uh, these segments uh, interact with each other digital has always caused disruption and the disruption has always reset equations that's never going to be easy and people who are 
disadvantaged by the digital revolution will always you know try and uh, uh, sort of uh, find a workaround uh, uh, against the changes that are happening but i think that is uh, perhaps uh, you know not the right way to deal with these uh, issues in my opinion of course so you mentioned satellites and that is another area of concern for telecom operators particularly reliance jio and to a certain level vodafone um which is that now we are also seeing potentially satellites uh entering into communications in a very real way there was a new story i mean obviously you have elon musk starlink and sunil bharti mittal's one web that have sort of ex- uh, expressed interest in sort of serving a role in communications in india from broadband to backhaul services but now even amazon has also applied for the licensing to enter into the india market so there are some big names entering into the communication space through the satellite route and that is sort of initiated the debate around how spectrum should be allocated where do you think the chips should fall in this particular debate do you think that there needs to be a, a auction for satellite spectrum and uh, or do you think it should be assignment and do you think that this current debate that's been going on for 2 years is sort of holding back from the satellite space from sort of uh, ballooning or sort of proliferating in a way it should ideally have if like this whole debate was not there and telcos were not kind of stopping um entry in a way yeah well yes you know this uh, this is uh, in a sense uh, a byproduct of the whole debate on uh, spectrum auctions which took place uh, uh, you know almost a decade ago uh and where uh, the supreme court uh, uh, passed a certain judgment and uh, indicated that uh, you know auction should be uh, the preferred way uh but at the same time that judgment was in a certain context and uh, for a certain kind of uh, spectrum and the advice uh, that uh, auction should be the preferred way has to be seen uh, in that uh, context but i think when you look at the whole issue the question is that uh, in a different context and when we are talking here about satellite spectrum we are talking about first of all uh, space which earlier was a government monopoly you know space was reserved for the government and therefore it was largely an intra governmental transaction whether or not the space agency that is isro was charged or not charged for the spectrum so it really didn't you know uh, arouse much public interest but now that the space sector has been opened up there are different players coming in uh, with different kinds of products and different kinds of uh, satellites uh, using different uh, technologies that debate has once again got ignited because once again you have uh, competing uh, private players you have a whole lot of innovation happening and uh, it's a combination of uh, you know global and uh, domestic issues so in a sense it is uh, the same spectrum issues redux but i think the question is when you look back at some of the lessons learned from the experience of uh, the past in spectrum it is uh, it is that you know when you auction spectrum there are two things that happen it's not just that you realize uh, the price you discover a price which the market is willing to pay for it and it also decides who gets the spectrum namely the one who is willing to pay that highest price 
Now, for a well-developed market, uh, you know, the competitive landscape may be very clear and the uh, and the different uh, trade-offs may be clear. And there is probably no easier way or no obvious way in which you can have a fair allocation and a fair price amongst all the players who are there. So in the absence of any uh, such uh, fair uh, uh, options, uh, administrative allocation was perhaps uh, the only solution. However, it's also important to remember that in the early days of telecom, uh, think, uh, you know, the early 2000s, uh, at that time, there were very few players. Uh, Spectrum was available for the asking. And an administrative allocation made a lot of sense in the very early days because that was the time when, uh, you know, it was lying around. There were very little uh, users, very few subscribers. And even if you had an auction, what would you get? Because whatever price you fixed as the base price is the price that you would realize. Something that has happened later as well. In the case of satellite spectrum, we are at a very nascent stage in the development. And there are different groups coming with different technologies. There are different kinds of applications. There's a mix of government and non-government agencies. And I think we don't quite know how this whole equation is playing out and whether we are in a hugely demand surplus situation or whether there is a hugely uh, demand deficit situation in terms of the entire uh, satellite spectrum that is available. So I think it is probably uh, worth looking at how do you allocate spectrum uh, through uh, different means for uh, different purposes at least in the initial stage till you start getting a better understanding of the uh, commercial dimensions, the technology dimensions, and the competitive uh, aspects of uh, uh, satellite uh, uh, services. And as that becomes clear, when the uh, competitive landscape becomes clearer and these uh, trade-offs become clear, then uh, one could move with the benefit of that knowledge into an auction-based, uh, uh, you know, uh, process. So in other words, what I'm suggesting is that it's important to test the waters and that testing of the waters need not necessarily be through an auction process. And the auction process would follow at a later point because if you start the auction process right away, the first question that arises is how do you set the base price? Who sets the base price? What, do, what evidence do you have to decide what's a reasonable price? What's a reasonable price for one kind of player providing one kind of service using one kind of technology may be completely unaffordable for some other uh, player who is providing an invaluable service, which is not identical. So I think we there are lots of these kinds of questions which are still uh, hanging in the air and therefore using a one size fits all approach and, uh, you know, without any clear understanding of what you are foregoing in order to gain what is uh, perhaps not the best approach. And finally, I would think that, you know, uh, maximizing revenue is important and clearly uh, that uh, cannot be uh, brushed aside. But there are larger gains and larger benefits at stake here, which also have to be, have to be kept in mind. And therefore, that's the uh, trade-off and for it, for a country like India with very different needs and a very strong IT uh, industry and a very strong uh, innovation ecosystem which is uh, you know growing by leaps and bounds 
it's important to ensure that the multiplier effect is maximized before the direct, uh, you know, uh, uh, benefit is uh, uh, targeted. Uh, that would be my uh, two bits on this. Right. So I would just like to conclude it on the possible implications of the PDP bill. I mean, as you pointed out, of the four kind of laws that uh, this government is envisioning to regulate this digital economy, the PDP bill has been the first to be passed. And the IT ministry is obviously sort of writing down the exact rules and how those will be implemented. I just wanted to understand how do you envision that uh, the implications of the PDP bill playing out for telcos? Is this is there going to be any impact for the direct communications industry, which is the pipeline through which all this internet, etc. is um, is is being proliferated around the country? Or do you think that the regulations will sort of target... Uh, internet companies the most is that i mean i essentially just wanted to understand if there is anything that uh, operators will be sort of subject to yeah (laughs) well you know the uh, the bpdp bill itself starts with the uh, statement of objects and reasons uh, which actually indicates that it's a bill aimed at enabling processing of digital data having due regard to privacy So in this uh, case, I think that uh, the DPDP Act, which it is uh, uh, now that it has been passed, actually lays down the boundary conditions. And one of the very good things that it has done is to make the act simple and easy to understand and relegate much of the detail to the rules. The advantage of this is that you don't need to go about amending the act every time, you know, something changes and the principles are reasonably clear. There may be one or two areas where there are some deficiencies in terms of the balance between detail in the act and relegating details to the rules. For example, uh, perhaps some more detail of the uh, you know the data protection board could have been there. Some more detail in terms of what the do's and don'ts with regard to digital intermediaries who collect data can do with regard to passing it on to third parties is concerned. But I think aside from that, it's a step in the right direction. Because the digital regulation, as I said, is not al- is not uh, always a complete blessing because it can bring in constraints which have other ramifications, whether it is in terms of restricting innovation, raising prices or uh, limiting the services uh, and so on. So I think that balance works differently for different countries. So it, we can't just say, OK, let's adopt the European regulations or let's, let's just adopt the Uh, uh, US regulations or let's go the Chinese way. That doesn't work because we have to look at our own uh, ecosystem and our own environment and I think that's the tricky balance that the government has tried to tried to find and leaving enough room for agility as we go forward. Uh, Has it done enough in the act itself to remove regulatory uncertainty? Uh, I would say to a large extent yes. Uh, and some of it may still come only after the rules uh, uh, rules come in. So, in terms of how it would affect telcos, I I don't think that the you know the the telcos uh, themselves would uh, be impacted uh, to the same extent as uh, let us say the uh, the content providers or the OTT uh, providers, uh, and especially 
the systemically important digital intermediaries or the SIDIs as they are called, because the onus uh, on them to uh, protect, uh, uh, you know, privacy and uh, the data is certainly going to be set at a higher level. And some combination of self-regulation and government regulation uh, would emerge from uh, as the rules, uh, you know, get set. So I think that uh, it is uh, more the, um, uh, you know, the OTT and the content providers who would get uh, uh, impacted and the kind of services which can be provided, how this plays out, for example, in and sectoral differences, how this plays out in the healthcare space, how this plays out in, uh, you know, uh, uh, other areas where personally identifiable information is involved, sensitive uh, data is involved, uh, how it will impact, uh, for example, educational content where children are involved and how the age gating will actually play out. All of which have been, you know, provisions have been brought in, but I think the exact form after the rules are uh, set out will perhaps uh, give greater clarity. And I think that that step, this whole step of bringing in the PDP, uh, DPDP Act was absolutely essential uh, in order to uh, enable the uh, digital environment to not be the Wild West that you were talking about but to actually have clear guardrails which are set out and which can keep getting shifted and adjusted as societal needs change, as technology evolves and as uh, innovation proceeds apace and as the whole geopolitical fabric which affects the way the global ecosystem evolves at the backdrop of the Indian digital space. All of these, I think, uh, will witness continuous flux as we go forward. But this is an important and a good first step. The principle of light touch regulation, simple, easy to understand regulation, which I understand the PM himself had desired, I think is the right way to do it. And uh, so the first step I think has been taken and taken well. Okay. Um, thank you so much for spending time with us to sort of... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.